Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Give you some, some information you need to know. If anybody in here ever names their kids Walker or Texas Ranger, we will kick you out of this church, I promise. Uh, unless you're an OSU fan, and then it's okay. No, I'm playing. I, see, y'all got a whole year. Until we beat you again, we got a whole year of this, right? Let me, let me share something else with you. If you're talking about your wife and you say she's a red, hot, smoking, hottie or whatever, and your best friend goes, mmm. You need to change best friends, okay? Just, just kind. I was at a retreat not too long ago, and and the the pastor stood up and talked about how beautiful his wife was, and all the guys on the front row started yelling, "Amen, amen, man, she's hot!" And I was like, "Man, we need to go into counseling, right?" Well, here's the deal: we all have favorite stuff. We all, you know, like favorite food. Favorite clothes. Some of you have favorite jeans. Anybody got a favorite pair of jeans? They just make you look just like you want to look, right? Favorite jeans. They're more comfortable. Favorite favorite shows on TV like Gold Rush Alaska. That's my favorite one right now. I, you know, I'm hoping they're striking. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. See, I'm more redneck than you think I am. Uh, gold, gold Rush. Man, they're, they're in Alaska. Favorite stuff. Favorite cities. Favorite music. We all have favorite stuff. And right or wrong, as messed up as his theology is, like Ricky Bobby, most of us have a favorite Jesus. In fact, uh, most of us somehow during this season called Christmas have the ability to work through it. It takes some of us longer than others, but it, we work through all the commercial, commercialization and all the trappings and the hectic, frantic pace, and we actually get our focus back on that eight-pound, six-ounce, golden-fleeced diapers bundle of baby God, right? We, we finally can somehow get focused. For most of us, our favorite concept of Jesus is the infant Jesus. And we can never move beyond that, and we never understand that, that Jesus grew up. Now, we talked about this last week. Baby Jesus teaches us some very important lessons. Baby Jesus taught us this, that salvation is often difficult to discern and sometimes even harder to accept. Remember, we learned that because Joseph actually tried to get out of his relationship with Mary because he didn't understand that God was producing salvation through what was going on. And many of us, if we're not careful, we're trying to get out when God is trying to get in. And so we had to learn from the baby Jesus that salvation can be very difficult to discern and sometimes even harder to accept. I taught you last week from the baby Jesus that, that, the, that ugly is the new beautiful, right? Uh, I was happy about that truth in my own personal life because uh, every morning I wake up and I, or whatever. Uh, but, but, you know, we, we clean up Jesus' birth and we try to make the nativity seem beautiful. It wasn't beautiful. Jesus was literally born in a barn. Right? It wasn't pretty, but because God has this ability to supernaturally interject himself into ugly situations, he can turn them into beautiful things. Right? We, we learned that detours can be divine. The path that you may have chosen for your life may not be the one you're on now. It may be that your life hadn't worked out exactly like you thought it would, and God can use all of the detours in your life to produce divine results. Most of us trap Jesus into this baby infant in a manger. But like Ricky Bobby's smoking hot wife said, Jesus grew up. 
And if we don't recognize that Jesus doesn't always fit into our favorite box, then we find ourselves where the religious leaders of the day found themselves because in John chapter 5, verse 37, Jesus began to talk about himself and he said this, My Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me, but you have never heard his voice nor seen his form. In other words, he's saying to them, You didn't even recognize me because I didn't fit your favorite mold. And so if we're not careful and we don't recognize that Jesus isn't just this little baby infant in a manger, then we will miss the truths that he wants to teach us. Now, I will admit, it is easier to perceive God as a baby, cute and cuddly, than as a teenager. We don't normally look at teenagers and say, there's a revelation of God. I mean, pimply, mouthy. Uh, anybody got a mouthy teenager at home right now? Okay, yeah, I, I just thought, oh, y'all are in trouble now. Mouthy, voice changing. We don't normally perceive God in that. I can perceive God in a baby because they're so innocent and cute. But a teenager? But if we don't recognize that Jesus doesn't always fit our favorite mold, we will miss the truth because there are teenager truths that Jesus teaches us. The first teenage truth that Jesus teaches us, Jesus as a teenager teaches us, teaches us this, um, God will drive you crazy. Let, let, let me read you the text so you'll understand. Luke chapter 2 verse 41, every year Jesus' parents traveled to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as they always did for the feast. And when it was over and they left for home, the child stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents didn't know it. Thinking he was somewhere in the company of pilgrims, they journeyed for a whole day, and then they began looking for him among relatives and neighbors. And when they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem looking for him. The next day they found him in the temple, seated among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And the teachers were all quite taken with him, impressed with the sharpness of his answers. But his parents were not impressed. They were upset and hurt. And his mother said, young man, why have you done this to us? Your father and I are have been half out of our minds looking for you. And he said, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I had to be here dealing with the things of my father? But they had no idea what he was talking about. So he went back to Nazareth with them, and he lived obediently with them. His mother held these things dearly deep within herself, and Jesus matured growing up in both body and spirit, blessed by both God and people. The first truth is this. I've already said it. The teenage Jesus teaches us that God will drive you crazy. How many of you understand that you don't learn that God will drive you crazy when he's a baby? It's, if there was ever a stage in life that teaches us this truth, it's this one. The teenagers teach us that God will drive you crazy, right? I'm learning that lesson right now. Uh, he, he messed with them, and they didn't understand what was going on. There are going to be days in your life where God will drive you crazy. You're not going to understand. If anybody should have understood their son, Mary and Joseph should have understood. You think about all the prophetic promises they had heard. In fact, the Bible teaches us this. They're minding their own business. Angels show up. That's a little bit out of the ordinary, isn't it? I ought to pretty, pretty much perceive who Jesus is by the fact that angels showed up. Uh, I walk into a temple to worship, and the, the priest, the high priest Simeon, looks at me and goes, the baby inside of you is the promised one. The Messiah will save all the world from, his, from their sins. That ought, to, that ought to sink in. Shepherds show up out of nowhere to worship. Wise men show up out of nowhere to worship. I should have some concept of who Jesus was, but the Bible says that Jesus' own parents didn't even understand. 
what was going on. They didn't perceive who he was or what was going on. Let me just say this to you and try to help you this morning. Just being around Jesus doesn't necessarily mean that you will understand Jesus. In fact, the Bible says it like this. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So that is good news for us today because some of you don't understand what God has been saying to you and you don't understand what God is trying to do in your life. And you just need to understand that even when you can't understand him and even when you can't figure out what he's trying to do, he's still worth following. You're not always going to understand. There are going to be days that you're not going to jive with his thoughts. There are going to be days that you don't understand his commands. But listen to me very clearly this morning. If your relationship with him is solely contingent on figuring him out, if your relationship with Jesus is solely contingent upon you getting all the details and having all the information, then you are going to fail miserably in your relationship with Jesus because there is a key component that the teenage Jesus teaches us that we must have if we are going to have relationship with him. And that component or ingredient is called faith. You're not going to be able to figure him out. He's God. And we don't think like him. And so on the days when he's driving you crazy, when his commands are not the commands you want to hear, when the path that he spells out for you is not the path that you want to walk, you've got to understand that even if you have to shake your head at him and go, I don't understand, that should never shake your heart or shake your faith because he's still worth following. In fact, if we go back and read the story at all, we understand that there are going to be days in your relationship with God when you're not going to be impressed with him. Okay, I'm going to get real transparent. Y'all are going to see a glimpse of my, my relationship with God. There are days I'm not very impressed with God. I don't like what he did. I don't like what he said. Anybody else been there? Come on, be honest. You go, what are you thinking? I asked you to do this, and you won't do it. What are you? Th I am not impressed with you. Or we get offended by him. Ever been offended by God? The Bible says that, that Mary pipes up and said, you hurt my feelings, Jesus. Maybe y'all ain't never been there, but Jesus has hurt my feelings before. I, I didn't like the, who do you think you're talking to, God? Don't you dare use that tone of voice with me. Come on, I know y'all don't talk like that to God, but I'm just letting you in on how, who do you think you are? And then I remember who he is and I have to back off, right? But we get offended sometimes by what he says because here's what we discover. Jesus reveals this as a teenager. Sometimes his answers are sharp. Anybody ever gotten an answer from God that was kind of sharp and unsettling and didn't like it too much? But this is what I've learned. Even when I don't like his answers and, I, and they feel sharp, he's still worth finding and he's still worth following. Have you ever come to this place in your life, in your relationship with God, where you can't even understand him? Mary looks at him and says, what are you talking about? Uh, my prayer life is full of those moments where I speak to God, he speaks back to me, and I go, what? I don't understand this. But I've learned this from Jesus. Even when I don't understand him, I can still follow him and trust him. Some of you just need to know this morning that when you get into relationship with God, doesn't mean that your life is going to be understandable and easy. In fact, God will drive you crazy. But he's still worth following. The second thing that Jesus as a teenager teaches us, he teaches us, and this is very important, that we can lose the way on the road. 
Listen to that phrase again. We can lose the way on the road. There's a key phrase in the passage that I read to you. It says this, every year they traveled to Jerusalem. Every year. That means every year for 12 years. Jesus is 12 years old now. And the Bible says every year, every year for 12 years they went to the same city, that probably the same path, same scenery. It was a routine. How many of you would honestly admit that you, ha- you live a routine life? Yeah, okay, I, I am a routine person to the nth degree, okay? Like, uh... Maybe, maybe this, maybe, I, I'm not saying there are no variations, no interruptions, but for most of us, this, this is our routine. Monday, we get up and we go to work. Tuesday, we get up and go to work. Wednesday, we get up and go to work. Thursday, we get up and go to work, and then that evening, we go to the gym. That's probably not most of us, but some of us. I'm not one of those people. But that's our routine. Friday, we go to work, and then because it's Friday, then we go to a movie or do something else. That's our routine. Saturday, we sleep in. Then we go to a garage sale. That's not my routine either. Or maybe we go to the store, and and then we watch TV late at night, and we have friends over, and then we go to bed. That's our routine. And then Sunday, our routine is we get up and go to church. That's our routine. I believe in routines. I am a routine person. Get my phone, and my life is mapped out by the hour. I I am so routine, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I drive the same routes. I never vary. Well, until I got stopped this week, now I've gone a different route, hoping that the cop wasn't there that stopped me. <clears throat> I like routines. There's nothing wrong with routines. The Bible says that they had gone the same way year after year. I want you to hear me this morning. Teenage Jesus teaches us this. It is possible to get into a rhythm and get into a routine and get into a pattern and walk a road for so long that one day you wake up and discover that we have actually walked ahead of Jesus or worse yet, away from Jesus. Your life can be so routined around God that you never get in contact with God. Your routine can invade your life so badly that you can come and come to a worship service and go through the motions. You can hear sermon after sermon and listen and never let it apply to you. You can do the Christian thing and get into a routine and actually miss Jesus and lose him on the road. In fact, a couple weeks ago, I encouraged you to begin to do glory checks. You remember that? Just turn to your neighbor and say, glory check. Come on, tell him. All right, now, that was what you do for them. Now we got to make this internal and do something for us. I want to encourage you that you need to, on a regular basis, do a Jesus check for yourself. Because some of you have been on this path and been on a journey for so long that you think you're getting closer to Jesus, but the reality is is that you've become so comfortable in your routine that Jesus isn't on the journey with you anymore, and you need to do a Jesus check and make sure that he's still with you and that you're not literally creating distance rather than getting closer. That's what Jesus teaches us is that even on the road you can lose the way. I, I know your routine is intact, but is Jesus with you? I know that your pattern is sacred, but is the sacred one with you? I know that your to-do list is supreme, but is the supreme one with you? Or are you doing this on your own? You can take his presence for granted. He's always been here. He'll always be here. 
But I just came to tell you that it is not enough for Jesus to be traveling with your friends and family members. That's where they went and looked first. You need him to be traveling with you. And I want you to learn the lesson that a teenage Jesus taught us because it's a powerful lesson and it is this. No one, is, no one else is responsible for his presence in your journey. When it comes right down to it, the pastor can't get Jesus into your journey and the worship team can't get Jesus into your journey. When it comes right down to it, the reality, the truth that we've got to discover is this. You are responsible for getting Jesus and keeping Jesus in your journey. And if his presence is going to invade, invade your life, it is your responsibility to make sure he's there. Because the truth is, is that we can live life without him if we're not careful. And that ought to scare us. See, I can remember. I, I don't remember it real clear. I just kind of remember bits and pieces of it. Uh, my father and I were in a big department store. Big. We lived in Anadarko, so big. Big department store. And, and I don't remember how old I was. I just remember that, you, you know, how you, you're walking through the clothes aisles and they're in those hanger things in the middle, the displays. And it's when you're, thi when you're this tall, they're really big. And my dad's not the tallest guy in the world. And uh, so he went a different direction. And I come around one of those displays and he's gone. And I find myself lost. And I remember this sheer and utter panic. I was terrified because I'd lost sight of my father. And I wonder how many of us have been going through the motions of this journey and we don't even recognize or realize that we are out of the presence of our father and we can sit week after week in a worship service and never be moved and never be encounter, never engage God. And I am, t I am trying to interrupt the utopia of your life to let you know that if you can't feel God anymore and if you can't hear God anymore and if you're not seeing God anymore, then you ought to be absolutely terrified. Because if you don't have him with you, you are headed for certain and total destruction. And I'm just afraid that most of the Christians or many of the Christians that I run into, into and have relationship with have come to this place in their life where they can do this thing called life. And it doesn't matter whether Jesus is there or not. They've got it down to a routine. And what I want to challenge you and tell you this morning is it can't get to that place in your life. You need Jesus on your journey. you got to have him. You need to do a Jesus check and make sure that he's with you. Are you lost today? Are you at the point that you can no longer sense his presence? Are you at the point where you no longer are moved to sheer panic when you realize that you can actually not have him in your life? You need to do what John the Revelator said. You need to go back and renew your first love. Think about this just a moment. They lost God. Well, they win the worst parent of the award, uh, year award, uh, hands down. God deposited his son into their care and they lose Jesus. And it takes them a full day to recognize it. That's what really blows my mind. I would think if Jesus, the son of the living God, angels, bright light stars, if I, I would freak out. Didn't bother him for a full day. And many of us, have walked away from him or ahead of him and he's been gone for six months 
years, decades, doesn't bother us a bit. And I'm just telling you, you've got to do a Jesus check. And then last, the last thing I'll say to you this morning is this, is that the teenage Jesus teaches us that he's supposed to go home with you. Uh, let me remind you, Joseph and Mary, they freak out. They search frantically for their teenage son. Let me see how quick you are. The Bethany campus got it like this. Where did they find him? What? At the church. They found Jesus at church. Let me make this statement to you this morning. If your path begins to lead you away from his house, then your path is ultimately leading you away from him. Can't separate it. I believe what you want. The Bible is very clear about this. If your path begins to lead you away from his house, then your path is leading you away from him. I, I need you to understand that, but I also want you to understand there's a caveat here. Listen clear, clearly. Jesus wasn't supposed to stay at church. Jesus was supposed to go home with them. And what I want to say to you this morning is, yes, you can find him here, but he's not supposed to stay here. Jesus knows how to do church. Jesus is comfortable at church, but Jesus was never destined to stay at church. We have a mandate as believers and followers of Christ that just because you can come and snort and buck and stomp and snot and do all the stuff that Christians do at church, if you don't take Jesus home with you, then you ain't doing nothing but playing. Jesus wants to go home with you today. In other words, Jesus wants to come and be a part of what we do here, but Jesus wants to go to your job tomorrow. And Jesus is supposed to go to your ball game tonight. And Jesus is supposed to go on your date next week. And Jesus is supposed to go to the same movies you go to. And Jesus is supposed to attend the same parties that because he's supposed to go with you. So let me say this in terms and like this. In other words, we've got to corral. We got to bundle up. We got a rope for you OSU fans. You got a rope. You'll, you'll get me back. Don't, don't worry. You got to, I love you guys anyway. Uh, you got to rope the encounter and the experience of God that we have in here. And if it's going to be what God intends for it to be, we got to have the ability to remove it from this house and take it home. In other words, it's not enough to worship in here if you can't handle your spouse correctly at home. And Jesus ought to be with you enough when you leave this house that your kids can see him in the living room. And your bank teller ought to be able to see it when you walk in that somebody came with you. Jesus was never intending to just stay at church. You can find him there. But leaving him there is out of the question. And I want to challenge you as we wrap up this year. Believe it or not, it's almost the end of the year that blows my mind. At the, as we come to a conclusion of a year, I want to challenge you that just having good church is not enough. 
the Jesus that we encounter and will continue to encounter as a body cannot be confined to these four walls. You've got to get him in your car, and you've got to usher him into your house, and usher him into your job, and usher him into every relationship that your life is involved in, because Jesus wants to go home with you. And until that happens, we have not learned the lessons that a pimply, mouthy, voice-changing little boy teaches us. Because it's at that point when we usher him home that we are genuinely in relationship with him. Everything else is just a show. So I want to challenge you this week, this month, next year. Is Jesus with you. I prefer the baby Jesus. But he grew up. Is he with you? Maybe the challenge this morning is very simply put like this and then we pray. You need to do a Jesus check. Have you lost Jesus at church? Where is he? Father, this morning, I pray that you would challenge us deeply. I pray that sheer and utter and total panic would set in on some of us as we recognize that we've been walking without you. And we got ahead of you. We got away from you. Father, I I pray that you would help us to recognize that you're not lost. You never have been. When we get away from you, it's... We're the ones that are lost. We need to go back and find you where we left you. So, Father, this morning I pray that on the days you drive us crazy, we would still follow you. And on the days that we can't understand you, we would still follow you. And on the days when your voice sounds sharp and you hurt our feelings, I pray that we would learn these lessons. We would follow you. You're worth following. You're worth finding. Father, I pray for all of us that are living rhythmed and routine lives, which is most of us. I pray that we would learn to check our path a little bit, check our traveling companions a little bit. God, I pray that we would take stock of our own individual lives and we would do a Jesus check and make sure that you're still walking with us. And if you're not, I pray in Jesus' name that we would go back and grab you. We would return to the place of our first love and we would find you again. And Father, I pray over this body that as individuals we would begin to take you home with us. Just worshiping you here is not enough. I pray that you would invade our kitchens and our living rooms and our bedrooms and our cars. I pray that you would follow us right to work. I pray that you would follow us into every relationship, every conversation that we have, every thought pattern that goes on in our mind. I pray in Jesus' name that you would come with us. We don't want to leave you here. We know that you're comfortable at church. In fact, you'll bring us to church. You, you, you purposely want us to be here. But, Father, we also recognize that one dose of you a week is not enough. We need you 24-7 every day of the year. And so, God, I pray that we would take stock this morning of our lives and we would learn the lessons of a teenager and we would find you again. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is just between you and God. Nobody looking around, including our prayer team. This is totally 
just between you and God. If you're here and you could say, Steve, I, I'm not sure that I haven't walked away from him and panic is beginning to set in. I recognize that I can sit through services and never feel him. I can encounter his presence and it doesn't move me anymore and I'm scared. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or do anything like that because this is between you and God. If that's you, just right there where you're sitting in the privacy of this moment, would you just do a Jesus check and would you just make sure that he's walking with you? Father, help us. Help us, God, I pray. Help us to be honest and transparent before you. Search our hearts. In the quietness of this moment, help us to see you. Penetrate our rhythm. Penetrate our routine. I pray. We take responsibility for your presence in our lives. And we invite you back into this journey that we call life. Father, we declare like Moses declared, this is our heart's cry. If you don't go with us, we don't want to go. If you're not going to go with us, don't send us out. Father, as we leave this house today, I pray that you would allow us to take your presence with us and it would impact every word we say, every action we take. Father, join us, I pray. Help us to walk hand in hand with you. We don't want to lose you. And Father, we'll praise you for it and give you glory for it. We'll trust you on crazy days. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.